Hello everybody, welcome to our special one-off AWS reInvents episode. We're talking about new products and advancements in AWS technologies announced around reInvent 2018. My name is Sai Ayer, I have Alex Galbraith with us. Hey Alex, how are you doing? Yeah, I'm alright, thank you very much Sai, yourself? I am actually feeling well. That makes a very nice change. <laughs> this is why I'm actually sitting next to you today instead of the opposite side of the room. That's interesting. I didn't know this feeling. This is really good. Um, so today's episode is one of firsts. It's our first post-event special episode. It's our first external guest. And it's the end of our first year of recording. Wow. Woo! We're going to do a little... <laughs> uh, I think at this point we have to mention Carolina. She... It's, 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 like it's been a year it and we haven't mentioned her. We've kind of... I think we did mention her once. Yeah. I'm pretty sure there was one episode. It was the, was it the squeaky. Did, did she one, edit herself out? Did she edit herself out? It could be. Ah. For those listeners who didn't catch that one. Then. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. So uh, I guess um, the other thing to mention here is that Sai and I have just got back and back from our uh, end of year uh, lunch. So there is a fairly good chance that we're going to hand over to the the more knowledgeable people in the room and then fall asleep in a kind of food comatose. That, that'll definitely happen. It's definitely possible. Yeah. Uh, but in the meantime, why don't we uh, see who our guests are today? So let's start with our Rackspace AWS experts. Uh, Steve, do you want to introduce yourself? Hey, my name is Steve Drew. I'm a specialist architect here at Rackspace, been using AWS for about eight years now. Awesome. Um, and Malcolm. Yeah, Malcolm North. Uh, I'm an AWS specialist architect at Rackspace also. Uh, I've been with uh, Rackspace for about two years. Awesome. And uh, finally, our extra special external guest, Dan. Dan, hi. why don't you tell us a bit about yourself? Yeah, hi. Thanks Thanks for having me here in Hayes. I finally find my way here. Uh, Dan <laughs> White, I manage the Partner Solution Architect team for AWS. So our role as Partner SAs is to uh, work really closely with our partners like Rackspace to help them try and grow and improve their capability on AWS. So very happy to be here. Thanks for having me. Yeah, thank you very much for coming. So Fantastic. reinvent. Yes. What's that? I know. Are we inventing? <laughs> I've inventing the wheel again. <laughs> no, but guys, tell me, tell me about. Is this the first time you guys been to reinvent, or is it second or third? It was the second time for myself. Oh, fantastic. Uh, quite, it was a debate, obviously, it grows every year. I think up to, is it 52,000 people this year? Yeah. 52. Spread Jeez over oh. six hotels. Yeah, yeah, fantastic. That's grown at an insane rate, isn't it? I remember yeah. when they were still talking about it being like about 10, 12,000. That wasn't very long ago. I mean, it's the first time for me um, working for AWS, so I didn't see many of the sessions. I was helping <laughs> with them, so uh, it's quite a, quite a heavy week. But I was really surprised, 52,000 people, that it didn't seem that busy. Like, oh, right. I, I, I yeah, got around quite I mean, well. First, first time for me, and I'd, I'd been told beforehand, you know, it's packed everywhere. It's difficult to move around. But actually, you know, even though it was fifty-two thousand people, it didn't feel like fifty-two thousand people. It was no. You, yeah, there was plenty of people around, but you just felt like you could move around between hotels and between between sessions quite easily. Or aircraft hangars, as a lot of those rooms seem to be, from what yeah. I've seen yeah. from the photos. Super oh, really? as well to get around. <laughs> You know, consi considering there's so many people, and AWS actually actually put food on for everybody. Wow! And and there's a food hall that they cater for twenty six thousand people, I think. Yeah, yeah. I'm just imagining the head chef. Yeah, <laughs> like right, oh, twenty six thousand meals in. Yeah. <laughs> and how? I didn't sign up for this. <laughs> so so what was the food like then? Because I work for AWS, but I don't get to eat it. I'm not allowed. Oh, <laughs> really? Yeah. Oh, yeah, that's cruel. It was, that is. It, it was pretty good, to be honest. 
Uh, no, you're supposed to say delicious. It's amazing. <laughs> <laughs> Hang on, we, we don't want Nigella Lawson now. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean the good variety, of, good variety of stuff, and considering how many they're catering for, it was it was really well done. And there was a selection of like hot food or uh, cold food that you could grab and take away. Impressive. So, yeah, very good. Highly available. <laughs> was it was it automatically coming up it's as you finished things? Was it automated? Yeah. <laughs> it seemed to scale quite well. Yeah. <laughs> okay, I think we have enough geek puns in there. Yeah, if anybody starts talking about APIs, we've got to stop the show. That's that's right. when we stop. It's great. Um, so so just just talking further, I think um, from a location perspective, was it was it big in terms of the the actual physical building and hosting and stuff because my only reference that i have is the uh, the excel here and i feel like that's getting a bit cramped in terms of events I mean, uh, uh, yeah i mean it's 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 huge I've, I've not seen venues that size anywhere else uh mm. about anything mm. else uh, crazy i mean it takes yeah. you 20 minutes just to get out of your hotel to reception the hotels are so big wow <laughs> and then you think you look at a hotel and you can see it and you think oh that only take me 15 minutes to get there but it actually mm. takes you half an hour because it's just so everything's so huge isn't are, it are like you sure you're going just... to the right reception yeah, not, not the hotel <laughs> next door I know what my track history is like I, don't <laughs> I was supposed to come to Hayes and I arrived in Stain so yeah. who knows and didn't even know it was the same time as well <laughs> no, I thought it was Slough yeah. it's awesome uh, so on that point though I mean how does that impact with things like sessions did you guys manage to go along to many of the, the breakout sessions uh, yes they, they, for me they were a very important part of going there mm -hmm. obviously the keynotes are great uh, but the breakout sessions uh, are a really important part of a reinvent, mm -hmm. uh, and you know, reinvent is supposed to be about education, and I and I try to spend the most of that. Mm -hmm. you, you've actually got uh, AWS developers there and engineers uh, presenting subjects. So you get to learn a lot of detail, a lot of 300, 400 level mm -hmm. uh, events that I managed to uh, sessions that I managed to go to. Fantastic. Any notable? Anything you remember? Anything you feel like was amazing? Um, Oh yeah, I mean, for me, just uh, I, I um, very interested in things like Kinesis and 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 going under the hood of Kinesis uh, and hearing about some of the new features, why they why they were developed the way they were and, mm -hmm. and how they work is, is is really is really interesting. There are massive improvements on in, in throughput on on Kinesis just with some fairly simple changes, which is quite goes to show though we talk about PaaS. But we all still kind of like to know how it works under the hood, don't we? Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. It's not really PaaS, is it? It's just, well. it's still IaaS. It's just someone else managing it. <laughs> so what about you, Dan? Do you, get to, do you get to go along to any of the sessions? I don't get to go to any sessions <laughs> other than help. So oh, right. um, I, I, I did a presentation on SageMaker on the Thursday. Oh, cool. Um, cool. But then apart from that, the rest of my week was spent uh, dropping into sessions and, and just uh, floor walking and helping mm -hmm. out. So there was a good private link session where um, the customers got to build their own uh, network. I thought that was really cool. They seemed to really enjoy oh. it. Um, and then the other one that I got involved in was um, a recognition-based one as well. So there's there some quite cool stuff where you could use your webcam on your on your laptop and upload it to the cloud and analyze you know, the data. Mm. So that was cool. But yeah, a lot of it is for me is just being a helper, basically. So. <laughs> well, cool. whole, oh, sorry. So, uh, I was just going to say, so I, I know we're going to talk about a lot of new talk technologies and topics but one thing i want to ask you guys i know you you met a lot of people who use aws and want to who want to talk more about what they can use how much of those discussions were around aws's new offerings so things like recognition athena uh, poly all those kind of things because mm -hmm. traditionally when you talk about aws or when you talk about the cloud 
you, you think about EC2, RDS, mm-hmm. EBS, ELB, and that's kind of the remit of more solutions. So how many, how many people actually came to talk about the new stuff, the more magic stuff? I, I, I would say within the reInvent crowd, probably most of them. Really? And what was interesting was to have a big expo hall with, with, with the third-party um, booths there uh, showing their wares. And there's a, as you walked in, there was an Alexa booth just as you walked in. Mm-hmm. And the Alexa booth was always completely slammed. <laughs> because there, there's huge queues. Wow. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, yeah, wow. that just gives, the, just gives you an idea of the kind of thing that... Uh, that's amazing. That's amazing. So the, the the evolution to move from standard compute and storage, we're now looking at services that that go beyond that, which is mm. which is amazing, and the uptake of all those services kind of leans in towards the way the cloud is going. Sorry, Alex, you were going to say no. Although I, I would say now, actually, um, I particularly thank Malcolm for all of our listeners who are listening on speakers right now, who <laughs> 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 may or may not have activated them on that. Um, <laughs> But uh, yeah, sorry, sorry to all your <laughs> echo owners. It's all right. We didn't buy anything on it. So okay. um, yeah, no, I, th- I think uh, I, I, I guess uh, not that many people are going to be as interested these days in um, VMs in the cloud. It's not really, sp- you know, it's not where things are going. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, what what do you think jumped out this year for you, Dan, as um, as an announcement that was of particular interest, and you think customers are really drawn to? So, so for me, um, the announcement that seems to generate a lot of interest. I mean, as Malcolm said, a lot of interest in serverless and ML. Um, that that was that was a recurring theme. Um, but the Deep Racer um, seemed to attract a lot of interest. Uh-huh. It was the game where you could get to win. So this is a, a, a little car that uses reinforcement learning, and it has to navigate its way around a track. Um, and you can you can uh, program it to see who could do the best uh, lap time. So mm. that attracted a lot of interest. People configuring this Deep Racer um, with SageMaker. Um, the other one was Ground Station. I don't know whether you heard much about that, uh, Steve and Malcolm, but I had a lot of people interested in Ground Station, which mm-hmm. enables you to um, quickly set up um, a transmission to satellites for satellite data. Um, that was fascinating. Yeah, yeah. it was really... I suppose we're going on the whole space theme, you know, the the, the, the rockets and yeah. uh, all of that thing. But uh, did you guys hear much about Ground Station? Because I, I, I didn't, I'm afraid. You didn't? <laughs> I, I, thought I, Steve, I thought I saw Steve nodding his head. So For me, it was sort of the, the, the real left field announcement that came yeah. out as a complete surprise. I thought it was. You know, the, the actual product announcement. The actual product announcement. Yeah, I kind of I kind of thought it was maybe at some level trying to link up with Blue Origin Mm-hmm. That's uh, exactly what I was thinking. Being, being yeah. Jeff Bezos. But yeah. no, I think I think it was great. So talking about all the new stuff, I know that we've had a, uh, we have a few things in our list that we want to talk about. Let's kick it off with uh, EC2 instances. I know there's a lot of EC2 instances that have been announced and, 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 and a lot of our customers still use EC2 instances. <laughs> and, and, you know, I think, I think it's still, it's still going to be there for mm-hmm. a while. So with that in mind, uh, there's a few things that I wanted to discuss. And guys, feel free to talk about stuff. Um, in terms of things like hibernated EC2, I find that really fascinating because a lot of customers that I talk to want to do auto-scaling, but A, either are not capable of technically or don't have the skills in-house. So I think this is a great fit. What do you guys think? So what, what does it do? I'm going oh, yeah. to be the dumb one in the room. Yeah, I exactly. missed that announcement. So what is hibernated EC2? Um, my understanding is hibernated EC2 is it, it's really like a restore uh, restore from suspend to RAM. Okay. So, so you can have a, when your virtual machine comes online, maybe it's part of the auto-scaling group, it is available to serve traffic very quickly. 
Ah, okay. So we're accelerating. Yeah. So I guess it's a bit like, you know, you put your laptop down, goes to sleep, mm-hmm. open it up again, you're exactly Blue where screens. you were. No. <laughs> <laughs> Don't tell me that your laptop crashes when you hibernate, but yeah, generally how it should work with your laptop, put your lid down, put it back up again, you've got it exactly how you want it, exactly yep. the same as before. I think that's pretty much the same concept, isn't it, really? It is. So you're doing that in an auto-scaling group where instances within the group can go into hibernation and then come pop back up again very, very quickly. That was my understanding. Ah, yeah, that's very cool. That's very interesting, yeah, because I know when we use, in Rackspace, when we sell dedicated servers, we tell the customers that, saying, if you need to scale up, rather than deploying a new VM, just have one ready and just power it off. That's a similar concept. So for customers who have no clue on automating deployment, running mm. script-based installation of apps, this is a boon. Pre-configure it all. Yeah, there's a lot of apps out there which are not Uber cloud native, aren't there? Which mm-hmm. they just they you need to have that state in the machine. They don't really enjoy you know taking state out and popping it into some other thing like a you know a database or a memcache or whatever. Yeah, that's, that's the key. Is it, it's the it's the state that, that's the, always the blocker for that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, talking about EC2s and talking about instances, the announcement also talked about beefy, massive instances coming into play. I don't know, guys. I mean, do you see a lot of customers, will, will they pick up those massive EC2s? I mean, for example, there's a, there's a P3DN, which is huge. What, what do you guys think? I mean, is that something that... So I'm, I'm guessing that's, that's, that's for markets like the, the sort of the SAP HANAS, mm-hmm. that kind of mm-hmm. thing. Um, that's not something I see a lot of, but I, I know it's out there. And I've come across businesses or worked in businesses where that, that's been the case. But I think you've also as well to sort of HPC. Mm-hmm. For, high, for the high performance computing, um, there is the demand is there. Mm-hmm. I'd, I'd say as well for those kind of customers who um, they want to do high performance computing, they want to do you know grid style computing, etc. But actually, maybe they only need to do it on against a workload that requires 10, 20, 30 minutes a day, and maintaining a farm <coughs> of thousands of machines just for the sake of you know a twenty minute workload is not really financially viable. So that that certainly makes sense in those kind of scenarios. Yeah, and uh, for machine learning, it's a massive use case because the, you know the, with neural networks, the compute power you need, it, you know, is very intensive. So they meet that need as well, as well as high performance computing, Malcolm, that you mentioned, and and I think that's what's contributing to the growth in machine learning. That, that now we right. have the compute power to be able to to run these uh, deep deep models. So oh, perfect. Mm-hmm. I mean, one interesting use case that I saw was actually a semiconductor manufacturer that was actually divested from a larger larger group of companies. Mm-hmm. And in order to stay alive, they had to uh, innovate very quickly. Mm-hmm. And in order to do that, they had to lay out new, new silicon. Uh, so they were facing a, a, a multi-million dollar investment in, in powerful machines to do oh. that layout. So what they did is they actually used uh, Amazon mm-hmm. high-end compute um, right. resources. So this kind of thing, very useful for that. And it cost them a few thousand to do mm-hmm. this. They got a new, they got a new, they got a new range of, of, of um, semiconductors out of it. Mm-hmm. Wow! And, and um, they're now in a market-leading position. Mm-hmm. And this is in an industry where those type of activities normally cost millions or billions. Isn't yeah, exactly. Wow. Yeah. Very cool. Interesting. So, so I heard another term, and again, I'm going to be the dumb one here because uh, I was insanely busy last week, so I didn't actually catch any of the announcements. So all, almost all of this is really fresh to me, which is great. Um, but I heard people talking about Firecracker. So what's Firecracker? Yep, I can see stickers around the room here. Yeah. All saying Firecracker. Is it, it's not a firework, is it? The American <laughs> firework system. So um, 
<clears throat> Firecracker was um, a new micro vir uh, virtualization technology Amazon released, uh, right. open sourced, um, for running very, very small VMs. Um, so like 125 millisecond startup time, very low overheads, can scale to thousands of machines. I mean, it, it hits an uh, interesting barrier between sort of serverless and containers, but I think the key thing here is if you want some some really deep technology to go and read in, it's mm. not something to be interesting to talk around. Um, it's there's some very interesting links that have come out because this is a service that underpins a lot of how Fargate and Lambda run. In oh, the back end. so what they're saying is Lambda isn't actually what some people might have thought previously was a container in the background. It's actually running as a teeny tiny VM. Yeah, that's exactly it. So it's it's exactly the same virtualization technology we were using for Lambda. So the servers that obviously there isn't really serverless. There's always something running underneath. So <laughs> the, the the tech allowed allowed us to run micro VMs. Um, and I think 125 milliseconds is the launch time. What we also did, we did a test launch of uh, 4,000 containers simultaneously, uh, and the the longest launch time was 195 milliseconds. So it's not bad for 4,000. <laughs> but it's interesting, isn't it? People uh, you know, weren't happy with five minutes for virtual machines to become available, and they're not they're not ha mm -hmm. happy for you know uh, 500 milliseconds. We're always bringing that time down, aren't we? We demand more and more. It's Orders of magnitude from when we used to talk about six months to provision a service. Yeah, exactly, exactly. <laughs> world now isn't it it's just insane <laughs> isn't it yeah absolutely yeah and uh that that's very interesting in talking about you mentioned lambda there and you mentioned the firecracker using with lambda and i, I believe there's new changes to lambda itself uh, anything to highlight on that sure front? i mean for myself there was really three that have come out and uh, the first one the big one is the ability to run custom run times so you know previously you might have been you only had available maybe Ruby, Python, Node. Mm -hmm. um, also, Ruby was the one that was announced. Whereas now you can bring your own uh, runtime, whether that's people have been done it for C++, for Bash, for Haskell, um, to then run your application in mm -hmm. Lambda, So which now massively opens up the scope of what applications you can run, which for me is a very interesting... It'll be very interesting to see what people are going to develop over the next few weeks mm -hmm. based yeah. on that. Absolutely. It, it's almost like a new compute type. Yeah, and we're publishing a, a reference implementation of C++ and Rust runtime so you can get oh, started yeah. and, right. and you know, have, a, have a play. Yeah. yeah. So the one that surprised me was COBOL. So they've, they've actually, oh, they've wow. actually, they've actually launched COBOL. Wow, sorry. Wow. So the interesting thing about that is actually bringing older languages is actually valid because... Uh, a lot of the, like in the high 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 performance compute world, if you've done a lot of uh, calculations, there's a lot of um, software out there that actually uses languages like Fortran, for mm. example. Yeah, Fortran. Um, and I, 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 you're talking about thousands of um, smallish compute nodes doing Fortran calculations, and then mm -hmm. uh, for doing things like analyzing seismic data. Yeah, uh, and stuff like that. But they were they were then using. I mean, because one of the big things with Lambda is going to be things like runtime, etc. So that's the one of the bit that I think is going to be quite interesting here. You're going to have to effectively get your old school applications if you're going to bring them in. Mm. You're going to have to get them working in an environment that is does have a limited lifespan, doesn't it? Yeah. Yeah. Interesting. Interesting. That's amazing. Uh, just going further along, I, uh, we talk about Lambda. Another thing that that kind of highlighted me, and we definitely need to talk about, is this whole. Aurora Global Database. So, guys, w what is it? So, I think the big change here with Aurora, the Aurora Global Database is now you've got a multi-region um, 
database, but what they've done is they've extended out the storage layer, which is the power behind Aurora, right? from what I see. Um, so that now replicates worldwide. So previously, cross-region replication was available, but it was like MySQL transactional replication, whereas mm-hmm. now they've extended the storage layer about, which which brings a bit of speed benefit. So how does that impact it? Let's say you're running an e-com platform and you want to have it running globally, you know, because that's a that's a very very common use case for the kind of um, customers that we talk to. Yeah. Um, how does that impact with things like transaction times, etc.? Well, so the I think the the latency storage based rep, so the latency is like less than one second. Um, so it you know really helps with those 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 type of applications. And are you um, choosing whether that's async or sync kind of? Uh, I think I think you have the option. Well. Because sometimes you obviously want to be asynchronous because yeah. it might be you don't want to replicate um, issues or coding issues. But um, I'm not exactly sure of the, whether we can do both options. Um, but you can you can do a um, in in terms of an outage, you can promote uh, a read or write. You can have a replica as well, which you can promote to be primary as well. So, mm-hmm. um, but as for async, I need to double check that. Sorry, yeah. <laughs> we'll put that one in the show notes afterwards. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, it, it, the the underlying storage uh, for Aurora is is, is pretty unique. Mm-hmm. They've taken a completely different um, stance on, on databases. Mm-hmm. So when you, when you talk about replicas and things, you're not talking about replica, replication at the database level. This is actually replic- it, all the replication, the HA is done at, done at the actual storage level. Mm-hmm. Wow. So it's dedicated special storage for the database. Mm-hmm. And that's what gives it the ability to um, have multiple read replicas without actually affecting the, the storage layer. Absolutely. I'm, I'm an old school storage guy at heart, partly. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, when, I, when I hear these, I'm, I want to really dig into it. I know we don't really have time for it, but, you know, understanding things like, uh, you know, um, consistency of the data, you know, what if you lose an, uh, an outage on an individual node, is that crash consistent, et cetera? I, I, would, mm-hmm. I would listen to uh, Werner Vogel's uh, keynote because he does actually, actually cover that in, oh. in some good detail. Good tip. I will definitely catch that one. And if you have a look now, I mean, there's over 300 of the breakout sessions have been uploaded to YouTube. So there is one for the deep dive on this, which oh, is excellent. now content available to go and watch yourselves. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's that's one thing I've seen in the, in more recent kind of um, events compared to back in the day when I, you know, when we used to go to the VM worlds of old, etc. Or nowadays, it's all the content, whether you've gone there or not, tends to be released for free for everybody who's not managed to make it. So amazing learning resources are there. Perfect. No, that sounds really good. I think uh, it'll, it'll be very interesting to learn more about how they tie in transactional um, sort of consistency with storage replication. It, it, mm. It's, to me, it's a dark art. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's like, it's, You're an ex-DBA, are you? Not? I'm not an ex-DBA, no, but I'm a storage guy. <laughs> I, I, yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll keep that quiet. Uh, <laughs> I was always told by DBAs that it's never, crash consistent is never good enough. Yeah. But then I never saw any corruption from a, from a storage level replication. So. That's because they were good DBAs. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, cool. So just talking about databases, I think, I think one of the, thing that, one of the things that, that really um, highlighted for me is the amount that a ledger-based system, so... For, for the for the common word blockchain based technologies how much it has grown uh i still call it a database it's still a database so for me it's like it's not actually a if you tell blockchain blockchain is not currency mm-hmm. blockchain is just a database it's just Correct. a different way of using the database yeah. Yeah. Uh, but the interesting bit is i've seen how customers actually use it so from your experience guys what's new in that side of things and how have you seen your experience 
So I, I was very skeptical about blockchain. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, I, I always kind of shied away from organizations that were, that were uh, pushing blockchain. Uh, but interestingly, uh, in the last uh, two or three months, I've had three customers um, that the basis of their product is, is, is a blockchain, mm. blockchain-based uh, database. Uh, and the interesting thing is it's, not current, it's nothing to do with currency. And uh, it suddenly became clear, clear to me the benefits of having something like blockchain. So it's for things like digital contracts and, and, and obscure things like uh, one customer who's using it to do uh, age verification uh, oh. for um, unpleasant, web unpleasant websites and for right. websites with adult content. Yeah, mm. it's the new legislation that's... Uh it's supposed to come in. Uh -huh. But the other good use that I noticed, and, and someone talk, spoke to me about this and using blockchain, I know we digress from the, the topic, but I think it's a very interesting concept, is there's an e-commerce company that, that wanted to manage uh, catalogs and they wanted to manage uh, things like storage quantities. And they found running a traditional RDBMS to manage that was getting very difficult once you have globally distributed e-commerce websites. Mm -hmm. And they started using blockchain or a hyperledger to manage that because then each site would have its own ledger and they would cross compare to make sure the, oh, the quantities. Yeah. And that was just amazing. I mean, the concept of that just takes it to the next level. So funnily enough, we also had one of our, one of our team, uh, Mohammed, at the recent AWS user group in London did a whole session on blockchain. So um, I think it's kind of like a blockchain for beginners, but with some quite interesting bits and pieces uh, towards the end around use cases and kind of diving quite deeply into it. Um, and that's available on YouTube. So I think we'll put that one in the, in the show notes as well to make sure that um, anybody who wants to get yeah. more blockchain loveliness uh, Absolutely. <laughs> can Absolutely. dig in. But the thing that the thing that surprised me from from reInvent was uh, for Amazon this early to come out with a blockchain as a service. Um, mm. that, yeah, and their own uh, ledger uh, database, which, which Quantum Ledger is is what they what they released. So at the moment, uh, it's only uh, supporting Hyperledger, but okay. Ethereum is on the way. Uh, and uh, others, if there's demand for it, I guess. And do, do you know? I mean, do, what kind of beta customers have you got, or early early stage customers that are talking about it at this point? I don't, I don't know at this point. It's it's kept so secretive that I didn't know until <laughs> you guys knew. So unless you're on the product team or you're really uh, deeply involved in blockchain as a blockchain lead, mm -hmm. um, you don't find out. I mean, to the point that I had a meeting booked with the blockchain lead, with a partner who was developing a blockchain as a service offering. Uh, the day after we announced it, so we cancelled that meeting. So that that's un unfortunately as much as I find out. Um, but I'm, I'm, we've had you know quite a big demand from customers uh, for blockchain. So mm -hmm. uh, you know we always listen and work backwards from what the customers are asking for, and that that's why it's come about, I guess. Mm -hmm. Just waiting for the AWS initial coin offering. <laughs> <laughs> Which we Malcolm, you're not convinced. <laughs> No, that's fine. I think I think we're gonna uh, change track slightly here, and uh, we talked about databases. We talked about instances. What is this transit gateway? I know I know I've heard storage gateway, but what do you guys know about transit gateway? Um, well, trans transit gateway uh, is really a. Uh, there's always been a pattern from from AWS called uh, transit VPC. Which, which basically is a um, hub and hub and spoke uh, topology, so you you, you can uh, transit uh, communications into a in, into a hub, and then out right. to uh, spoke accounts, 
And is that what they used to call Cloud Hub? Or is that something different? Uh, I think uh, I think That's it's always been called Transit Cloud, VPC. Cloud Hub is the VPN solution. Yep. Yeah. 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 Perfect. But Transit, Transit VPC was a pattern that, that AWS published as, as a white paper. Uh, oh, right. And uh, Transit Gateway, that, that used third-party uh, routers and third-party VPNs to achieve it, whereas this uses uh, native VPNs and a native service. So it's kind of like an extension. So it's like a super... Uh, virtual <laughs> virtual private gateway um, with very high throughput. It will burst to fifty gig. Fifty gig. Yeah, yeah. fifty gig. Yeah, fifty gig and five thousand VPCs. You can support if, you, wow. if you're managing that many VPCs. Yeah. <laughs> Talk to us if you're managing five thousand VPCs. <laughs> <laughs> and that's coming out in 2019, and it supports IP version six as well, doesn't it? Oh, oh. it's good. It's, it's it's pretty amazing. Yeah, because yeah, when you get customers who are that, that I think. Maybe not at the 5,000 level is not quite so common, yeah. but you know there are a lot of um, customers we talk to who have got really significant quantities of VPCs based on the way that they happen to, um, for example, multi-tenant platforms or if they're doing segregation of different business units, et cetera. So, and it's always been a little bit of a challenge to get that to hang together in a tidy way. So actually for me, this was um, one, of, one of the announcements I did catch and I was really, really chuffed with that because it was certainly a challenge that I've come across in the past. Yeah. Awesome. Um, okay, so I think um, we're, we're actually almost coming up on time, but I think we've got time for one more one more cheeky news discussion, announcement, etc. Um, what what else have we got left in the pile, sir? I think we got we got a few topics here. I think uh, we can we can something interesting to talk about, and maybe this may be relevant. But let's quickly talk about uh, AWS Outposts. Uh, this is something mm. new. I haven't heard about it, and it seems like a complete different track that they're taking. So what do you guys know about this? Uh, what can you tell us about Outposts? I think there might be somebody in the room who can tell us about it. <laughs> Hello. <laughs> Hello. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so, so this is really uh, extending the hybrid uh, options that you've got. So you can run AWS on-premise, uh, either using the same control plane that we use already with AWS, or you can use VMware. Um, so we will manage the racks for you. Um, you can buy a quarter rack, half rack, full rack, as many racks as you like. Um, and that will all be managed for you and you'll have access to AWS you know, exactly the same as you were in the cloud um, and you can run your EC2 um, especially for you know for customers that have got legacy on-premise or maybe they need to run applications that uh, low latency applications that need to remain on-premise mm -hmm. you can still run it on AWS mm -hmm. either with the VMware option or, or running it on our own control plane basically right okay so that's I think for me it definitely supports what I've always thought which is that you know, um, the cloud is for everyone, but not every workload. Um, yeah. And giving you the ability to have that level of control and that flexibility, but then doing it actually in a in a physical location closer to where your users are or where your data is or whatever it is that you need to do yeah. makes a lot of sense. And so we, we love having that conversation with customers as to where the right place to put this workload is based on the needs of the user and the needs of the application. Yeah. Always, absolutely. I'm looking forward to seeing how it arrives, the racks, as a big <laughs> snowmobile turns up and they just come off the back of the lorry. I, I don't know, but it's available in 2019. So It's, 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 it's the light it's stand. Well, it's, for me, it's, it's all got about flashing the bezel. Lights. It's going to be the bezel. Indeed. Like, Is it? Or could it be Could it be drones, like <laughs> shipping them in? Ooh, that would be, that would be amazing. I, I still remember going from storage days, you talked about bezel. Uh, it was the days when uh, EMC launched a new version of their SAN, and mm. the biggest change was a, a light in the bezel. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that that made heads turn. 
<laughs> so I mean, for for you guys, I mean, what do you see with uh, things like Outpost being uh, utilized with the kind of customers you're working with these days? I, I, I think it's a it's a double edged sword, quite honestly, because uh-huh. <laughs> so, I, I think um, there there are a number number of customers that get very indecisive mm-hmm. and unsure about going down the down the cloud route, mm-hmm. and um, it's one. Of, I, I think cloud is one of those technologies. If you don't actually embrace it fully, um, then it's very difficult to realise the benefits from cloud. Um, but um, then again, there are some very you know, there are there are some very important workloads which have to have uh, local 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 compute presence. Mm-hmm. Uh, things like warehouses, for example. Now, you know, I mean, <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> which is which is obviously quite quite possibly where 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 the use case, the big use case came comes from. Mm-hmm. You want to automate a warehouse and then feed that back into your warehouse mm-hmm. management system makes a lot of sense to have. Yeah, I'm curious how uh, connectivity would be playing a role in this because uh, another location where I see the need for physical kit is ships. Ships. ships that tend to go or off. rigs yeah, yeah. or rigs yeah, yeah. exactly uh, mm-hmm. well rigs to a certain extent are still static uh, no, that's true. So you could kind of try and put a microwave ADSL. or something ADSL <laughs> 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 dial up oh the noise um, but but ships that move um, essentially when, you, when you're in a place where there's not even a, a satellite coverage so, so you could use Snowball Edge for that you can cluster them in a cluster of 15 so that, oh. that, that's, that's not a bad use case and they're pretty rugged if you look on YouTube there's videos of people trying to destroy one like uh, blowing it up in the middle of a lake uh, and it didn't blow up so so it's, it's pretty pretty hardy uh, oh, can we get away with that putting that in the show notes carolyn <laughs> <laughs> but maybe there's a suggestion for 2019 reinvent maybe it's snowball to attack you know as a challenge or you know a, 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 um, a data center on a boat like a floating data center you mm-hmm. know perfect how far snow, snow we, we should, we'll, we'll bring the whole nautical team of Every every server going under underwater. <laughs> um, cool. So I think um, there's probably just enough time for just probably just enough time for the news. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, the topic that I want to talk about in the news, kind of, uh, is it sounds like uh, bringing back William Wallace shouting freedom because <laughs> you're talking about DB freedom here. <laughs> what is what is DB freedom, guys? What is DB Freedom? So it was the big, the big topic of reinvent. Um, okay. So as many people would have would have noticed, there's been a lot of press uh, just lately between Amazon, um, AWS uh, um, CEO uh, Andy Jassy and uh, Larry Ellison of Oracle, oh. uh, uh, yeah. and uh, Amazon's um, move to ditch Oracle completely from their uh, their. their retail environment which they pretty much done now yeah uh, despite what he said and uh, w- w- what this essentially means is, is to uh, decouple uh, de- decouple retail applications or all applications from being dependent on a single database vendor right uh, and, and Amazon have taken it further it's not just about continuing to use relational databases they now have like five different types of database that you can use you've got the traditional relational database you've got aurora with its uh, revolutionary uh, underlying storage Mm -hmm. you've then got things like um, graph databases Mm -hmm. in-memory databases 
uh, key value stores mm-hmm. and document stores. So th- there's a huge choice, uh, and that's what it's about. Yeah, we're having quite a few conversations about Oracle, not not just with AWS, but mm-hmm. uh, issues how to run Oracle with GCP. Yeah, I mean, there's loads of customers looking at that. And a lot of the other vendors in the space as well. I mean, you look at people like SAP with uh, HANA, they've basically mm-hmm. said, you know, was it 2020? 2025 yeah, yeah that they will no longer be supporting oracle so it does uh it does certainly make for a quite competitive space out there at the moment um yeah, yeah. Uh, yes I and mean, it's, it's it's not just oracle it, it's 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 all the other large database vendors you know the ms sql server and the True. um Sybase and db2 as well mm-hmm. oh, i still see Sybase out there <laughs> i'm so shocked <laughs> and, and uh, we have quite a few funding programs as well if you're uh, doing a migration from oracle to other database oh, formats okay. to help you with that migration um just get that plug in there but the thing <laughs> for me as an sa if i'm doing a design now it's much harder than it used to be in the old days because when you're an sa you just had sql yep. oracle mm-hmm. that was it and now yeah. you've got all these different options mm-hmm. It's a completely different yeah. world, isn't it? All the toys in the box. Yeah, it's like you're in a sweet shop. <laughs> I think it was one of the comments from Dr. Vogel's, it, one of the presentations where Amazon as a group had done a review and I think it was 70% of their database workloads were suited better outside of a relational database, which was a surprising number. Yeah. I, I guess the question then becomes, though, how do you get 70% of those workloads <laughs> for the applications to re, you know, refactor them such that they can take advantage of that. Yeah, um, yeah I, I, it's certainly going to be an interesting next few years and seeing how people, or how and if people take advantage of that. Mm-hmm. It's, it's, uh, one of the interesting things is that, uh, again, uh, in, this, in the same keynote, uh, Werner Vogels uh, referenced a one of the sessions at reInvent, mm. which was by Amazon Retail, and how they managed to move their items and help me there was items and something else uh, database mm-hmm. uh, from Oracle in into uh, DynamoDB. Oh yeah, uh, you, using the the DMS tool that right. uh, uh, <laughs> that's going to be a sizable database move. Yeah, we, we, uh, fifty billion items. We had one of the guys that was responsible for the internal migration. He came to a Rackspace migration event actually and spent uh, some time uh, with the team talking through the 250 database migrations he did last year to... So was he the really haggard-looking guy? Yeah, he's kind of a bit of a star. Because he's, <laughs> he's a man moving away from Oracle. But, uh, yeah, uh, it was a really good session. That's awesome. It's fantastic. So, guys, listeners, if you have any topics that you want to talk about, especially if you have any comments around this whole Oracle monolithic database architectures, mm. yeah, let us know tweet us or or send us a comment on on the channel uh, but i think that's pretty much time for today uh, yeah absolutely thank you Aww, thanks go back and do real work now yeah unfortunately alex we do <laughs> we do uh, but it's the end of the day for me so bye-bye <laughs> <laughs> uh, no in all seriousness thank you thanks guys uh thanks dan steve and malcolm for for joining us today giving us a lot of information uh and listeners uh thank you for your time and absolutely any anything you want to listen to any topics that you're interested in anything you want to learn more uh we'll try and uh, get some more of these uh one-off one-off specials, specials. yeah absolutely yeah. we'll try and get those to them. definitely i think it's uh it's definitely a trend that's going to start uh but yeah absolutely if you want to listen to any any specific topic if you want more details you want to talk to us ask questions definitely reach us out we we, we want to hear from you uh we have a we we'll put our twitter uh tag in the uh, in the show notes uh, and also we catch us on other podcasts in our channel okay awesome goodbye thanks very much bye
Hi. We should keep that in, don't we? Excellent. Uh, fantastic. That was good. Thank you very much. Yeah, thank you.